Hi guys, this is Paul Capon from the Innovation Community. Today, I'm here with Alejandro Navarro, Director of Products and Analytics for the Connected Workspace Division of Mighty. Uh, he's an innovative, forward-thinking, and data-driven professional with a, a strong analytical communication and, uh, and also with ma uh, managerial skills coupled with a deep understanding um, of business drivers and digital tech. He's been focused on leveraging really exciting technologies like IoT, predictive maintenance, and AI in many major organizations. So we're very lucky to have him here today. Alejandro, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Cool. So I, I gave you a bit of your, your background there. Tell me a bit about yourself in a few words. Um, okay. I was uh, born and grew up and studied in Chile, in South America. Um, and I moved to the UK probably 15 years ago already. Um, I started my career more, I studied electronic engineering. So I think from the early beginnings, I have been close to technology. Um, but I have passed through different phases through my career. Um, and here in, in London, it has been a fantastic uh, place to be because uh, you really feel that there is so much going on and it's so easy to interact with so many different people and ideas. Absolutely. And where did your data career really start? Uh, well, it started probably from, from the university when we study uh, electronic engineering, uh, which has a strong component of, of data. But then also through my career, uh, I did spend quite a few years working in telecommunications, uh, in mobile telecommunications. And some of the role that I have in there was uh, analyzing billing data. And of course, telecommunications produce large amounts of data about calls and things like that, and also did work around understanding the performance of the mobile networks, again, a very data-driven activity. Uh, and since then, really, data has been always very close to what I do, and, and, and I really like it. Mm. And what do you really like about working with data then? Um, probably there are two main things. One is to... Data allows, not always, and, and even when we talk about science, even in that case, it's not really 100% objective. There is always going to be an element of subjectivity. But uh, I believe data helps uh, a lot to provide more unbiased answers to problems and questions that many times are based, the, the answers are based on assumptions and, or pre-assumptions. So, the ability to provide more clear and unquestionable answers is, is probably the main one. But the second is also, uh, particularly now with data science, is to enable to find things that you don't know. That, that quartile where you don't know what you don't know. Well, data sometimes helps you to, to find out those things. Great. And, and I've touched a bit on, you know, the skills that you've attained throughout your, your career, but what are some of the major successes you have achieved throughout that time? So as I mentioned, my career probably, broadly speaking, can be divided in three stages. Uh, the first one was uh, in Latin America, working more on the main in the telecommunications sector. Um, and on that was more running um, aspect of the telecommunication uh, Operation. One of the main things that I'm proud of is that um, I helped to design and deploy 
uh, new technology for mobiles uh, across a few countries in South America. So it was moving from a legacy um, 3G to um, the beginning of 4G. Um, that was a very interesting uh, and fulfilling experience because you see something very concrete at the end. But then I moved into um, consulting, and that is a different type of role. Uh, you tend to be more engaged with six months, 12 months projects. Uh, and on that, I have been uh, lucky to work with many different companies, and, and that I found it very exciting. Um, most of them large companies, but it's uh, very interesting. It's kind of getting into the house of other people and see uh, what's going on there. Uh, working with different companies, you learn different things, different cultures, different ways to do things. And in um, that uh, space, I normally was working on transformation projects. Um, and I did quite, quite a few, um, mainly around developing new services and new products. And lately now, in my current role, my focus has been more around embedding technology in what we do. Um, and I feel that we have moved a large, we have made a very good journey in the last two to three years. Yeah, some very uh, different different successes, but um, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty exciting as well. Tell me about a time that you affected change in a major organization and also some of the challenges <clears throat> that came with that. Probably the main ones are, have been around um, developing new services and new products. Uh, for example, um, I, I was very involved on uh, launching a new global service in the UK. Uh, and that was very exciting because uh, you have to analyze all the different components from the uh, market aspect, the opportunity, the pricing, the operational aspect, how this is going to be run, what type of support is going to be delivered, and the uh, technology components. Um, that's, that's an example of, I think we, with my team, created a significant change on that uh, organization. Likewise, we help another organization to deploy a new mobile network. Uh, and again, that was covering all the different aspects that required launching a new service. And the others have been more around transformation of the operating models that some companies have. I said probably what we are doing today is a lot about that, is using technology to do things very differently. Um, and in most of these things, I would say the main challenge is the change management aspect. Uh, although I'm very fond to technology, to some extent that is the simpler part, um, is how technology interacts and those people, employees or clients, where the complexities arrive. And I think change management is something that is often underestimated. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, that looking at your background working with AI and machine learning and predictive maintenance, what are you seeing some of the obstacles and challenges are to, to truly adopting these technologies? Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's, it's still most of the companies and industries, we were at a very early stage of really, although we talk about AI, I am a bit reluctant to use that word because I think it says more than what uh, where we really are. I prefer to use the concept of machine learning, although it's not the only way that you do data science, but uh, I will be a bit more modest in the way that we describe where we are today. But the potential are, are, are very, very large. And 
for me, the, the opportunity on this is to, um, or, or the challenge, is mainly around, let's start from the beginning, really. Define what is the question that you want to answer, or what's the problem that you, you want to resolve. Uh, sometimes, I'm, I'm, I have made a mistake as well, sometimes you jump into something because you have the data, so you want to play with it. But really, you have to have an initial understanding of what is the problem that you want to uh, address. That's already a challenge. The second is, of course, very well known data. We may have a lot of data, but it's all over the place. And translate that into that something that can be used is very time consuming and, and complex. And then the actual uh, translate that into clever algorithms, in my experience, is, is less of a challenge. If you have the right data, Today, there is very good tool to do things relatively quickly. But the last step is translate that into something that can be scaled and is embedded into organizations. And that, again, raises a number of challenges because uh, you have to change how the organizations uh, function. So I would say from the beginning to the end, there are challenges. Um, and we are in the early stage of um, understanding how to manage those. Mm actually have a problem that you need to solve and use the data to do it uh very yeah. very good summary uh, also just touching on predictive maintenance as well in your you know current previous roles what are you seeing as the biggest opportunities and challenges in in leveraging predictive maintenance um i think that the the opportunity there is, is very big uh, and i will expand it beyond maintenance is predicting almost everything i did actually have, uh, I was invited to do a, a talk um, a year ago where my subject was around predicting everything. Um, it's not only maintenance, but it's predicting the traffic. Of course, the weather is very well-known case of where people predict, uh, and that has been included a lot. But uh, the, the ability to predict, I think, provides, an, um, for one side, uh, the development in a, a machine learning and other tools and the access to data enable us to do reasonable good predictions um, at a cost that is affordable. And if you can predict in the case of maintenance, uh, what will happen, you have, uh, A, can avoid that to happen, or B, you can manage that in a more efficient way. And in my experience, for example, in equipment, they never fail out of nothing. If you are able to measure how those equipments are uh, behaving, you will know when something is likely to break. And that is uh, extremely powerful. And uh, sometimes you don't, you imagine that something just happened out of the blue, but particularly on, on similar equipment, there is always uh, a trend that you can follow. That's some, uh, some, some really interesting stuff. And I think that unlike AI, we are actually at that level where we can do that as well. You, you mentioned change yeah. management earlier. How do you engage and communicate with your senior leadership team on these, as you said it, um, quite far out technologies and trying to get them on board? Probably in my experience, there are three levels. Um, one is the more formal and traditional, as you want, uh, creating and articulating this concept in a, in a more simple way through PowerPoint presentations and meetings, which is the more traditional way to do it, which I believe is still uh, needed and, and very useful. Uh, but also you have to add at least an element of proof of concept. 
particularly around uh, machine learning and all these emerging technologies, um, it's, it's not wise to try to sell a big bank from day one. So the best way to engage stakeholders, in my experience, is by starting to deliver small prototypes, small proof of concept that bring to life what is what you are trying to, to do. So from one side, the more traditional PowerPoint provide a big picture um, and help to communicate what you are trying to do. But this small proof of concept uh, are the elements of reality that is needed. Mm. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the success. What was the biggest mistake that you made during your career, in your opinion? Um, I have done quite, quite a few, actually, no doubt. Um, but more than what has been the biggest mistake, I would say what have been the commonalities behind those mistakes. And probably there are two types of reasons why I have made mistakes. Uh, one is that I have not paid enough attention about what the clients want or need. Uh, sometimes uh, you feel that because you understand the technology, you understand the market, you know the answer to um, the problems. But if you don't spend time to uh, discuss with the end user, with the client, uh, quite often you will get, get it wrong. And there have been quite a few of those cases. And, and the other one is probably more about not paying enough attention to all the implications. The second level of impact that some of the things that you do will have and some of the dependencies that you don't know until you start moving. So um, in, in my view, I, sometimes I have a start project and on inside, I would have preferred to have spent more time thinking and planning those projects before starting to roll it out. But both of those things are really part of the maturity that you develop by, by doing uh, things and by sometimes making those mistakes. Mm. Yeah, I think that it's easy to get caught up in the excitement of a, of a project that you're really passionate about. But of course, as you said, the, the planning part is important and that's a great lesson to learn. Uh, what's yeah. the best piece of advice you ever received? Well, one that is actually, uh, I'm, I'm still recall because that was a long time ago, but I, I did make precisely a mistake on something. I, I overlooked something in my early career, um, and that had a, a negative impact on, on the business. Not massive, but, but seasonable. Um, so I talked with my then manager and explained the situation, and I'm very apologetic, and I said, look, really, uh, this is a mistake big enough to perhaps not, not be worth for me keep working on, on this. Uh, and he says, look, I have just paid uh, a significant amount of money in your training because that mistake which costs money is a training. You, you learn by doing those mistakes. So something that what uh, into from there I got that People sometimes, uh, probably in the U.S. is different, but uh, at least in Latin America and what I have seen here in Europe is that we are very reluctant to accept uh, when something goes wrong and says, yes, it didn't work, uh, to the point where you keep trying to make it work and you make the problem worse. I have seen many projects where um, people keep investment in, investing in something that is because it didn't work 
you try to put more money to make it work and just the problem get bigger and bigger. So for me, the advice of A, accept that mistakes and errors will happen and make those, learn from them rather than just trying to cover them is one of the best advice I have yet. Hmm. And we talked a lot about the, the new technologies. Which one are you most curious about right now? I'm particularly interested on, because it has implication not only in business, but in our daily life, is how physical and virtual worlds start colliding. And uh, in that space, probably seeing like Internet of Things are for me particularly interesting. And that's also very closely related with data analytics because uh, the Internet of Things without the ability to process large amount of data is quite meaningless. So today for me, the, the, one of the most interesting areas is those technologies that are trying to match those two worlds. And uh, I have been also exploring the use of AR more than, than VR. But even AR and VR, I think, are we are at the tipping point where they will become far more common uh, in our daily life as well as in business. And, and all of those have that commonality of moving or meshing that physical and virtual world. And the potentials are, are really enormous there. For sure. And I think we, we, we both agree on that. Uh, who is your favorite thought leader or author or influencer? Uh, actually, it's, uh, I do respect and I learned a lot about the, the household name, you know, the, the big titans of the digital businesses. But I, I tend to like uh, reading more and follow more what you would call thinkers. Um, uh, for example, uh, a very famous uh, book that had been wrote two years ago, I believe, by Yuval Harari, which is the uh, Homo sapiens and Homo Deus. I found it extremely interesting. Uh, although the ideas are not necessarily new, he managed to put it in a very accessible way. But also I have, uh, I like to read people like Slavo Sisek, which is more a philosopher. Um, and one of the areas that he particularly worked on is uh, the impact of the media into our life. So in a certain way, in, my, in terms of my um, authors and thinking are more not necessarily that focus on, on, on the business, but more focus on the impact of how different things have into our daily life. Yeah, it's a very interesting perspective. And I think that when we talk about these, these new values, a lot of them, for example, you mentioned sapiens, also 12 rules for life and, and the Greek philosophers like uh, a good one I, I read is or meditations by Marcus Aurelius. These are values like self-reflection, like sacrifice that, are, that they're age old issues, but uh, they're getting a, a good resurgence now. And I don't think that's necessarily uh, a bad thing. Uh, last uh, and also for, sorry, for, for me is uh, part of why I'm quite excited with, with technology and data itself. It's not that itself, it's how that impacts our life and our societies. I think that, that's an area that for me is very exciting. Is uh, Although in business is where you make those changes happen, it's more the broad impact that uh, it has. Uh, I mean, you, you still are probably surprised uh, even now of 
how you are commuting and how people are, we are all connected with our smartphones, reading or checking the news. And it's not only a change of behavior, that changed many other things. We change our perception of the world because we can today get first-hand understanding of what's going on in almost everywhere. So that's, that's what, what I found more fascinating about technology and, and data. Absolutely. And this, this leads nicely on to, to our last question. What advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data? Um, I, I would say for one side is understand precisely that data is a tool. Uh, it's, a, it's a way to achieve something. And although I have a lot of fun doing playing with data, um, really you have to come back to why you are doing that. What is the question that you are trying to answer? Uh, and I think that is, is, is extremely important. I do work with the data scientists, um, very clever people. Um, and I think my contribution to the team is more about that. It's kind of, say, well, why, why we're doing this? Uh, because it's quite easy to get excited with data for the data sake. Um, uh, and the other probably is uh, is that data is is a very promising space. I mean, uh, data science in particular is a relatively new uh, space. Although the tools have been there for some time, and the way that have been structured, the technology, the processing capacity, storage capacity, makes today very um, powerful uh, tools to to do analysis. And I believe. If anyone is interested in analytics, uh, definitely should uh, be considering or get trained, more trained on, on data science. Very good insights there from Alejandro Navarro, a product and analytics leader at Mighty. Uh, Alejandro, thanks so much for joining us. Again, thank you for inviting me. Have a good day.